0: I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right. Well, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman, and I'm really excited for our next guest, Dr. Stephen Timmy. Stephen is an entrepreneur, author, advisor. I mean, this guy's done a lot of stuff. Educator, philanthropist. and yeah, even th- he's got three decades of experience just helping global organizations harness financial insights to help them drive revenue, get more business, and grow the overall business. Um, he's a founder and president of a company called Finlistic Solutions, where he's pioneered the development of something he calls a client IQ. And it's just a it's a sales intelligence as a service platform that really enables and brings along some technology components to assist enterprise. Teams, sales teams, to really build that blueprint to break through and have a sales strategy that'll effectively engage executive buyers. I mean, it's 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 so important in uh, nowadays with what we do. He's also an author. He has an Amazon best-selling book called Insight Led Selling: Adopt an Executive Mindset, Build Credibility, and Communicate with Impact. Oh man, I mean, what sales pro doesn't want to do that? So, Stephen, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast.
1: Thanks, Chris, and thanks everyone for investing some of your very valuable time in uh, listening to this podcast. So, thank you.
0: The uh, pleasure is all mine. Uh, look, I've really been looking forward to this discussion because uh, in my research about you, you focus on something and a topic that I talk about every day with my sales teams, and that's really you know how does how do the sellers uh, determine you know what they sell, the impact that solution has on the customer's business, and how to communicate that information. Uh, in a way to the customer that they hear it and understand it. And you know, it's it's look when we're selling technology, it's so easy to get sucked into the bits and the bytes and the speeds and the feeds. But at the end of the day, somebody's writing a check and they're doing it because it impacts the business. So I'm just I'm personally, I'm looking forward to learning from you. Great, great. Um, and then I guess to kick it off, you know, I, I saw it, so I was checking out your ebook. You had an ebook with a quote that said, according to Forbes. In 2017, a whopping 57% of sellers missed their quota. I thought that was fascinating. I mean, is that are those trends going up, down? I mean, what do you see in there?
1: No, it's it's the same. I mean, it's about I, I looked at some more uh, numbers recently, but the the Chris, the bottom line is is that, you know, less than 60% of these enterprise sellers are make, making their numbers. And it's it's to me, it's for a wide variety of reasons. And some of it is, you know, the the typical excuse is, okay, we don't have a product market fit and our prices are too high, all that kind of good stuff. Sometimes it's true. A lot of times it's not true, but they're just, you know, I talk to both sides of the desk, right? I talk to the executive buyers, so I'm very fortunate to interact with a lot of executives and also on the sales side. And the reality is, is that most buyers think that sellers just do not understand their business. Something like, um, what was it, For Forrester did a survey And, you know, they surveyed a lot of execs and 80% or they said, 80% of sellers do not understand my business. So how can you sell me something when I'm focused on an outcome? I don't care about the technology, quite frankly. You know, I'm focused on outcome of trying to grow revenues or better manage expenses and you don't understand my business. Why would I buy from you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and I think especially with with some technology sellers, if they're too low in the organization, you know, they're talking to somebody that... By the way, they may not understand their own business, and I think there's some challenges there that you, you might even have to help your kind of your maybe they're not the budget holder, but the influencer, the technology influencer, help them understand their own business.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like uh, for example, we're we we're looking one of our customers looking at this customer and uh, one of their prospects, and they have a goal. It's a it's a, it's a large um, wholesale distributor, medical products, and those kind of things. And they have a goal of <clears throat> taking out, what, $750 million over the next five years. Well, they're kind of calling lower in the organization. No, nothing disrespectful about that. But, you know, that's what we were saying is, hey, do, do what is their part of that $750 million? You know, well, their boss is certainly on the hook for some of that. So how can you help your customer or your contact make, make it more relevant to what they're
0: trying to achieve from an overall company perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I I was reviewing some of your content and you have this topic that you focus on around insight-led selling. Can you just level set what you mean by insight-led selling?
1: Yeah. So it's an outside in view. And we hear that term a lot. It's not like, hey, here's my company. Here's my cool technology. We're in a hundred countries worldwide. Things that people usually don't care about. Uh, So it's really a couple of things. It's saying, okay, so Understand what are their goals and strategies. Like, what if they're publicly traded? What are they trying to get accomplished? Right, and it's out there in the public domain. Or if they're private, you know, what are companies uh, in that industry trying trying to get accomplished? And everyone, especially nowadays, is struggling to grow revenues. As an example, they're trying to deal with supply chain disruptions. They're dealing with, hey, we got labor shortages all over the place. So it's like, what are they trying to get done? And then breaking that into uh, I love using retail as an example. You know, let's grow revenues by having a differentiated, you know, omni-channel experience. Well, you got merchandising involved, you got marketing involved, you got store operations involved, you got distribution logistics. So, not just understand the big picture, Chris, but look, there's all these decision makers, and they're supporting the same goal. But what are, what are their what are their strategies and initiatives? So, understanding that. Another part is, well, how, how are they doing financially? So that that company I mentioned earlier, uh having the goal of taking 750 million out over the next five years, it makes perfect sense because Chris, if you look at their profit margin, it's dropped year over year for five years. Well, investors aren't going to put up with that. So it's really understanding, you know, wh- what are they, you know, trying to get accomplished, the goals, how are they doing financially? Not being a financial expert, but you know, their, their margins are dropping. So it makes sense. Or you know, also sharing with them, uh, you know, tell me something I don't know. That was one of the big takeaways in the book was we interviewed a dozen executives. And I'm not saying everyone said it, but a lot of them said, like, just tell me something I don't know, which kind of surprised me, you know, because <laughs> some of these folks like from Procter & Gamble, well, oh, my gosh, you have this huge staff. You got all these consultants. You expect a seller to tell you something they don't know. And the answer is, yeah, we do, actually. So it's really all those things. And then packing that together in a way that says, okay, here's how it's going to help you achieve your goals and strategies and initiatives, and then moving into the how much. And it's it's shocking to me, being a finance type, how often companies really are not building a business case or
0: change. You mean the vendors that are selling to the companies? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, internally, they're going to build it, but you know, I'm trying to sell you cloud or whatever I'm trying to sell you, and I'm telling you all these wonderful benefits but a lot of companies still are not putting together, working with the customer, a business case. It's, oh, and by the way, Chris, here's the return, right? Here's the cash flow benefits. Here's how quickly you're going to get your money back, you know, on and on those type of things. So that's what we, it's, it's really not being viewed as a vendor, but hey, we're partners in this. We both want each other to be successful. So I need to understand you. It's like a relationship, personal
0: relationships. Yeah. So, Stephen, you said something there I wanted to uh, follow up on. So. I totally agree with you know the importance of the vendor building out that that plan for change, TCO, ROI, you know uh, the gap of doing nothing. But I also see some reps are, that they 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 don't do it because they don't maybe feel they have all the information. They're worried they're going to get it wrong, and so then you know, maybe it's paralysis analysis by paralysis. You know what do you recommend in those scenarios?
1: Yeah. I mean, just give it your best shot. I mean, well, well, I, you know, my my thoughts around those are, Chris, I, all I know about what I'm proposing to you is the numbers aren't correct, but I feel they're directionally correct. So, you know, let, let me just talk to you about the how, and, and that's the part where people miss it. When you talk about a case for change, they immediately jump to numbers. And the way I think about this is tell me how you're going to help me. And then you've earned the right to talk about the numbers. And when you first do the numbers, of course, they're not going to be right because they have a lot more information internally than you ever will have. So, convince them you've got something to offer. Here's what we've done it others in your industry, and here's how we've you know we've seen this type of range of improvement. And for a company your size, you'll hear me say that a lot. I won't say, "Hey, Chris, for your your company, it's going to do this." Initially, it's for a company your size. You know, here's a back of the envelope calculation. Love to work with you to to refine the analysis, but. The how part, to me, Chris, is where a lot of people completely miss it. They jump into the technology. They jump into the numbers. And you haven't convinced me. You even know what, what my problem is and how you can help me.
0: Yeah. With, uh, you know, with some of the work that you do, how much time do you spend focusing on kind of the gap or the idea of doing nothing you know, and the impact of that?
1: Yeah, that, that's one of my favorites. I call it, you know, call it different name, names with the monthly cost of delay, right?
0: Oh, okay. So,
1: so you and I are shaking our heads, you know, you're the chief marketing officer of some retail company or consumer products. And you've shared with me what you're trying to get done, right? I'm trying to have more personalized uh, promotions, whatever it might be. I've convinced you that, hey, we've done this before. And we both agree it's worth, uh, you know, I'm just making this number up, you know, a million bucks a month in profits. And then you start ghosting me, right? Or then you got to go through this long procurement process, and so I love it. Say, hey, Chris, you, you and I both agree it's a million bucks a month. So you know, each month you delay, it, it's costing a million dollars, which you can never ever make up. So how how can we how can we speed up the process? And yeah, as you know, there's always the influencer. Th- these groups are getting bigger and bigger, but there's two or three uh, kind of alpha, you know, business units or business leaders that are really driving it. So yeah, make it clear to them like it's costing you this your goal is this, and each month you delay is costing you a
0: million bucks, wherever that number may be. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And it's something that we've seen more over the, over the last couple of years during the pandemic is that the number of people that have their fingers or their, or their hands on the decision or an opinion on the project has increased. Oh, yeah. And you know, I think sometimes I've seen some team members where they're still kind of managing the org chart with their two, three, or four people that they know, but there's all these other people around that, I mean, it's just huge risk. Yeah,
1: yeah. and and the fact that, you know, some of the research we've shown is that by getting to those other people, easier said than done, right? I mean, the deal size actually gets larger because then it's like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know you all did that kind of thing for us. Like we work with one company, um, they provide supply chain services, right? They can go talk to someone in distributional logistics, you know, give them five minutes notice and they're ready. But they they brought out another product that really helped with the Omni channel. Now they had to talk to store operations. Now they got to talk to marketing. Now they got you new. Know, and they were new to all this, but as they talked to them, these people say, Oh, we had no clue you did this. Well, I've got this other project I'm working on. Can you help me with that? So, you know, easier said than done, but you you've got to talk to those key influencers. You've got to customize the message. You can't go in and the way you talk to the CIO is not the same way that you talk to operations or marketing. But You know, you're viewed more as a partner than someone just trying to sell me some technology.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. I was having a conversation with a customer, uh, uh, yeah, not too long ago, and uh, I I was just asking the question, "Hey, what is the number?" This is more the operations team. So, what's the number one application that's giving you the most heartburn, the the biggest headache? And yeah, they gave me that application and gave me some, you know, a bunch of examples, uh, but they were all kind of technology operational examples that were impacting them as a team. And I said, okay. But how is it impacting the people actually using the app? And they're like, oh, well, then this happens. We can't dispatch our people to go do this work. Okay, well, who, who owns that? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's the business unit head that we need to go meet with and talk with. Um, well, Steve, one question I have around that is, I hear from reps all the time, and I have for years, years over years, hey, I don't want to upset my co- I don't want to piss off my, my champion and go over their head. <laughs> Yeah, you know, how do you uh, how do you recommend or what do you see as ways to kind of maneuver around that?
1: Yeah, going going over their head, I mean, you're you're it's just is just going to be a disaster, right? So, but make everyone a hero, right? Hey, Chris, you know you're you're in the IT space. My understanding, well, if, let me give you a live example. So, one of our customers, what they do is because their technology, they can cut uh, development time in half, right? And they go to the CIO or, you know, the technology group and say, hey, we can help you cut your app time in half. And you can either reduce your budget or the same budget, get a lot more projects done, blah, blah, blah. And they're all excited about it. And I said, well, that's cool. Um, so tell me about some of these apps. Tell me about something. Oh, we just did this one for a bank. Well, what does it do? Oh, it, it speeds up uh, loan processing. You can do it now in hours versus days. Oh, oh, you think it's driving any more revenues? They go, yeah. I said, well, you know what? I bet that marketing person is real interested. So what they did is they were the people they normally work with. They said, Hey, we, here's how we think we can help. We'd love to go with you, go talk to, you know, this executive in marketing. So you really have to leverage those relationships. I know it gets more complex when someone's I'm getting ready to retire. I don't want to do anything new, but yeah, make, make, make them the, the hero, make them more successful. Hey, I'm bringing you this new idea. Oh, here's Chris. Who can explain how, you know, what they offer can help us grow revenues or better, better manage costs. But you, you really, you really need to do that. I mean, otherwise you're just, you're going to piss someone off.
0: Yeah. Better to enable your champion than sidelight them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, do you, I mean, do you go as far as even helping them maybe craft a, an email or give them the talking points to maybe tee up that conversation?
1: Yeah, we do that. And that, you know, earlier we were talking about, so we have a, a bunch of coaches that have former executives who've been sold to. And, and that's why I like to talk about like insights from the other side of the desk. But yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And, you know, say the kind of the generic email, right? Would you like to double your leads? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. Why not? You know, <laughs> you know, to craft, hey, I understand, Chris, you're trying to better manage your expenses. Or I've noticed in your industry, you know, margins are dropping because of higher labor costs. You know, here, here's some ways that we've worked with others to improve labor productivity as an example. So so yeah, both the, both not just when engaging with the customer, but on that on the marketing side, you know, on the outbound side is how do you be more relevant to these prospects and therefore increase, you know, the number of qualified leads.
0: I hope you are enjoying this episode. I wanted to break in with a quick commercial. During the podcast, we sometimes talk about how to invest those hard-earned commission dollars so that you can build that freedom we are all working towards achieving. Now, I built that through 20 years of real estate investing. Now, recently, my team helped me put together a webinar on how top sales pros can create passive income and achieve financial freedom with hands-off real estate investing. Now, I'm still doing this. And as I continue to invest, I'm giving opportunity for others to learn and invest alongside of me. So if you want to learn more, go check out our webinar at hightechfreedom.com forward slash webinar. That is hightechfreedom.com forward slash webinar. We will also put the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Yeah. Well, you, you talked about uh, earlier, you know, the executives they want somebody to engage with them and say, tell me something I don't know. Right you know, I, I think sometimes reps will feel that like that executive does know everything. So you have to come with some earth shattering insight that'll just blow their mind. Uh, you know, what are your <laughs> thoughts on that? No, well, you know,
1: uh, yeah, as, as I mentioned, we interviewed a bunch of folks, uh, in the books, so I think it's one of the unique parts of it. Uh, it's because it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's for me to say, Hey, y'all learn this stuff. Cause I'm, I want to sell you something. Right. But here's people that actually are doing the buying and, um, uh, So one individual, Candy Conway, former senior VP of global operations for AT&T, she's in the book. And when she told me that, I know Candy. I said, Candy, are you serious? You know, like I said earlier, you got this big staff. You got McKinsey in there. Really? She said, Stephen, look, everyone thinks we know all this stuff. She goes, we are so heads down. You know, our CEO just just told us to cut costs 5%. We're focused on that. And her point was is that look these, these enterprise folks are at a lot of different in her case telecom industries, and we're all trying to do the same thing. So hey, can you share with me, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Not give away anything confidential. So her point was, you see a lot of stuff in the industry that we're heads down. Everyone thinks we're you know look at the big picture. We're heads down. We're trying to you know meet, hit that earnings per share number. Uh, and then another example was so so. Bring me some industry knowledge. Another example: of uh, this uh, for for an insurance company. I was talking to someone, and uh, he he sells to them. He's got three different policies with them, and he goes, "Look, I get three different mails every you know every week or something like. Hey, Mike, Michael, Mike, whatever it is. So he talked to the C the CMO. And said, "Do you really know me?" He goes, "Of course we know." He goes, "No, you don't. Why are you sending me three different pieces of you know in, information where it could be consolidated?" And so he's like, oh, my God, I didn't realize we were doing that. Or uh, I won't name the company, but like my wife and I, same company, we get these big, thick books on, hey, your next trip. We don't need two books. So share, you know, share with them. Like, hey, same address. We both have we have different names, but it's the same address. Why would you send us two books? So, you know, so a lot of times it's some industry knowledge. And because, you know, my friends out there are calling on lots of different departments you probably are going to bring them something about their own company they don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great point. It's um, You think about it from a, um, you know, you mentioned the heads down comment, right? They're heads down. They're so deep in their business. And, you know, I see, and I'll just kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I often see you know, sales teams where, you know, they feel in their mind, right. They've, they've sold, they've given them the information, they've given them the overview, they've recapped the problem that we're solving and then they move on and they think the customer should get it. What they're forgetting is right. The customer is so deep in their business. They have 15 other vendors, 15 other projects they are working on. You may think you solved it once and you may think you've communicated it, but they're so heads down. You've got to continue to re-message, restate and reconfirm.
1: Yeah. And that's what, um, Steve Clancy, he's also in the book. He's the CIO at Georgia Pacific. And the one thing he said loud and clear is like, make my life easier. And I said, Steve, what, what do you mean by that? And he goes, oh, he goes, I'll talk to these vendors. They have a great solution for what we're working on, but they leave me with this 30 slide PowerPoint deck. He goes, I've got to, I got to get that to one page because I have to socialize it with my, my colleagues. And so to to your point is yeah, keep keep reminding them. Uh, that's what Don Garibaldi. She's one of the ladies in the book we interviewed. She was from Procter and Gamble, very very senior in supply chain. She goes, remind me what we last talked about? Because guess what? As soon as you walk out of here, I'm forgetting about it. Because whatever you're whatever you're probably trying to sell me, it's not in the top three. So, I 100% agree. You you got to remind them. You've got to make it simple. Give them that one pager, right? And just just make their lives easier.
0: Yeah, I, uh, in an earlier episode, we talked about just you know the kind of the mechanics of running a meeting, and in in that uh, we talked about um, had a great guest on. We talked about you know, that intro. You have to also remember your customers coming from four other meetings that day. So you step right in, and you as a rep have been preparing for I don't know hours for that meeting. You're ready to go. Well, that customer just jumped from another meeting, especially if it's an executive. They're going from meeting for meeting, decision to decision. You need to give them a little bit of time to catch up and give them a chance to reset and reframe the discussion they're about to have with you. So doing that recap is that opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah, and they you know they might may, may not even know why they're attending this meeting. I mean, it's just like it's on my calendar. My executive assistant put it on my calendar. I'm showing up. I don't know why I'm here, right? I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's not the prep, but, you know, I tell people all the time, these execs can only take so many meetings. And guess what? They're not going to take an extra one just because of you. You're, you're displacing someone else. So, you know, have the courtesy of reminding them, like, why are, why are we here today? Net it out. Here's a problem we're trying to
0: solve. Here's how we've helped others. and And then get on with it. Yeah. Wow. There's so many, so many things I'd like to talk to you about. Um, But I I want to keep this on track here. Um, So what is, if you think about a a field rep today, what's one thing that they can be doing right now, this week, today, um, to start executing more insight-led selling?
1: Find the customer's goals. I mean, even though I'm a finance type, people say, well, I thought you'd say, look at their finance performance. Yeah, I'll do that. But if you got, if you got a limited amount of time and you want to be more relevant. Hey, Chris, my understanding is you guys are trying to uh, pay down debt by cutting costs, or you're trying to grow revenues by having more personalized messages, whatever it might be. You're trying to simplify your business model. You know, it, 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 do I have that right? Find their goals. And I got to tell you, Chris, the vast majority of sellers out there, and I'm a very positive person Um, they don't know, like, why are you really doing this? There was one company uh, that they I was sat in on the call and this retailer is trying to improve forecast accuracy. Well, they went on and on and on about, we knew 10,000 forecast in a minute. I'm like, we only need one anyway. So finally I, I, I spoke up, we were talking to someone in merchandise. I said, why, where are you even doing this? They said, oh, well, we're trying to increase increase the sell through rate and lower markdowns, bingo. That's what we should have led with. So the one thing they can do, a little bit of research. It's in their annual reports, investor presentations. Just look, look at the the, the uh, letter from the chairperson. Right? What are they talking about? And lead with that. If it's a private company, just look at a couple of companies in that industry, and what are their CEOs talking about? It's number one thing: find out what their goals are. What are they yes. trying to
0: get? So you know, private companies that is a challenge, and there's more of them. But you could say something like, "Hey." you know, what we're seeing, what I'm seeing from other companies in your industry, they have goals like this. How does that align with what you're seeing and how does that impact your team?
1: Yeah, exa- exactly. And they know, you know, you, you can leave Look, like, Normally I would look at this, you're private. You know, I looked at your website and you talked about ESG and these things, but you know, here's what exactly we just said. Here's why I find in your industry. How does that compare to what you're working on?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, you know, as we uh, as we kind of come out of the pandemic, how has the landscape changed for executives and how, you know, and how does that impact how sales reps need to adapt?
1: Yeah, a, a couple of things is uh, what I have found, and there was already a strong you know trend towards this anyway, is that these buyers are much more informed than they used to be. In fact, some folks estimate they're already 70 percent down the buying journey. So. You know, that's why you just got to hit them really hard, hit them fast on here's how we can help, potentially here's how much. But no, they're just much, much more informed. Uh, There's a lot more, as we talked about earlier, there's a lot more stakeholders, especially for these major decisions. So, you know, that's why you just have to be more relevant than ever. It can't be, hey, you know, did you catch that fish? And, Gosh, is that the vacation you went on? Not that you don't want to build that kind of relationship, but you got to be relevant much, much faster because
0: they're a lot more relevant. I mean, much more informed. Yeah. Well, one thing I was curious about is how you, know, you went from being a professor to now a CEO of a company that helps with sales technology and sales enablement and helping you know, large enterprise customers. How did that happen?
1: <laughs> well here's the deal uh i, I loved being a professor i love to teach it's in our family's dna a lot a of, lot of teachers uh in in the family and so when i became a professor i loved it but i decided i was not going to take a vow of poverty right and so because i like to buy stuff i like stuff right and um So, I was very, very fortunate to work with a number of Fortune 500 companies. And it was almost always about improving their performance. Hey, you run this mill, Chris. You know, if you could squeeze 1% more off the, you know, the the paper mills, what would that be worth? Or, you know, you're in distribution logistics. Hey, we could take one day out. You know, how many more stores could we build? That kind of thing. So, uh, not that I have an operations background, but I was able to listen to folks in operations, in marketing, those type of things and help them translate what they did into improved performance and financial benefits. And by pure dumb luck, uh, I was doing an open enrollment workshop at the Georgia Institute of Technology, Georgia Tech, as it's known as here in Atlanta. And this guy from a software company comes up and goes, have you ever been in sales? I said, no, he goes, oh my God, this is exactly what we're trying to do is explain to executives the, the business and financial benefits so I followed them around for like six months and they closed through their biggest deals. And I always tell people that people sell, not tools. And that's why I had this epiphany, like, wait a minute, here's this big market. They're trying to get accomplished, which things I've been doing for the last 10 plus years. And so I, I made the transition, left the university, uh, which some people thought I was crazy because I was tenured. And, you know, it's, it's a great life. It's a wonderful lifestyle. It's very rewarding. Uh, and that's when I transitioned really into focusing almost primarily on on the sales part of the business.
0: Yeah, well, I love the entrepreneurial aspect of it. I mean, you had comfort, you had security, um, and you left it behind to go to go tackle something new. It's uh, well, hey, as we uh, as we close things out, um, you know, how do you? Uh, you know, a big part. I'm a big believer that you need to give uh, back more than you take out of this world. So I'm curious, is there anything that you do on a charitable front? Anything that uh, important to you
1: yeah i'm on the board of directors for a couple of charities and all of them are really focused on uh medically fragile challenged children so the one sunshine on a rainy day uh what we do is we go in and we rehab houses right so okay now you know the wheelchair cannot get through the bathroom door as an example or you know the the mom is taking them to rehab five times a week so we'll redo their basement so then rehab their house so uh so it's it's really to me what i mean what it's why we're here right (laughs) i I agree with you we're supposed to leave this place a better place than when we showed up and um the other one um is called camp Trake me away and what we do is we focus on children that you know have these tracheotomies and we actually have a camp set up for them that they get to go to or we'll do some fun you know online stuff so my, my focus is, is really, really on uh, those charities. There's another another couple ones I'm on, but uh, it's really to help these families, help these kids have a more meaningful and fulfilling life. So yeah, one of
0: the favorite things I do. Oh, that's great. You know, I have a lot of experience on the real estate front and it is interesting because um, all of that cost to go modify a unit really falls on the tenant um, if they're medically challenged. And as, oftentimes they just don't have the money and it makes it life really really hard for them. Yeah, our average
1: cost is about 40,000 uh to rehab a place. And the good news is uh we have some wonderful companies that we work with. So okay, so we're going to donate the labor. We're going to donate some of the material. So usually it's 40,000, we get half of it through donations and half of it is cash that we have to to raise. But yeah, you're right. And there's not a lot out there not to be dumping on anyone, but in terms of government assistance almost non-existent especially once these children get older like beyond 17 18 years old, you're on your own so anyway the good news is we've got a lot of good donors and we this year we're on track on sunshine or rainy day we're on track to do like 20 of these rehabs and you know our goal we have to slow down with covid uh, and next next year we're trying to hit like 25 to 30 so wow.
0: yeah wow yeah. Oh, great work well steven is there as we wrap up is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, teaching still my DNA, (laughs) and
0: most of the people that
1: work with me, I'm very fortunate. Some wonderful people. Same thing. We love knowledge. So, I would strongly recommend go to our website, uh, Finlistics.com. Check out the resources. We've got links to all kinds of articles. We got links to you know different webinars where I've interviewed you know executives or senior sellers that type of thing. So, you know, do do that. Reach out to us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Finlistics, you know, solutions. Or follow me, Stephen Timmy, and a lot of free stuff out there. We're not going to bug the heck out of like, oh, saw you went went to our website. Here's a message on LinkedIn immediately, which drives me nuts. So yeah, finlistics.com, and I'll I'll send this information, Chris, and also the LinkedIn. Uh, We do two webinars a month, usually talking either senior sellers or sales enablement or executives, and they can learn. They can learn from them. Great, and
0: we'll get that. uh, We'll get those links in the show notes.
1: Okay. Yeah. And read the book. The ebook's only, I think, a buck 99. So I love it. I love it. It's not like I'm going to be buying a new car based upon our sales of the book, but there's a lot of real practical stuff in there. And, and like I said, it's really coming from these executives and me, Sharon, and, and Melody Astley, who's our CRO. The two of us wrote it. A lot of good stuff in there. Practical stuff.
0: Mm, good, good stuff. Well, Stephen, thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Look forward to speaking with you again.
1: Great. Thanks, Chris. And again, thanks, everyone, uh, for taking some time out of your very busy day. Chris and I both hope that you got a really good return on your investment in time. So thanks, everyone.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.